Dude. Oh, I heard an episode um, that you guys did that your that Christian, your favorite number is the number five. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely number five. Why is the number Definitely. five your favorite episode? Well, it's it just fits. You know, when growing up, five Power Rangers. You know, <laughs> things that seem to fit. Um, I only knew five colors. The main five colors at the time: red, orange, yellow. Red, wait, red, orange, yellow, green, blue. I didn't know purple back then because I thought that was a weird way, a weird color. But it was the world made sense through five colors only. If five was my best year ever, I still think, um, just because I don't know. I had a birthday at Boomers one time, and I got a lot of tickets, yeah. and it was just the highlight of my year. Five years so. old is a pretty magical, pretty magical age too. So, oh yeah, yeah. I just it's remember fun. every single time we would like line up on the track. You know, you'd always go for oh, yeah. the uh, lane five. Yeah, because I was like your high lucky fives lane. too. Oh, yeah. Everything falls in fives. Yeah, it's just five. Yeah, but yeah, that's well. Hey, well, typically we talk about what we're drinking first. Um, we got to end to start the show. Has this not started? Okay, you can go start the show, Neil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Let's, I know, now that that's out of the way, let's get down to business. <laughs> that's the first order of business. All right, so we don't have first order of business. We're not We're not organized. Uh, <laughs> so uh, everybody who's listening, we have a couple of guests on the show, as you can hear. Uh, Adrian Kiswani and Christian Cato. Hello. They have a podcast called The Art of Awesomeness. Did I, have I been pronouncing your names right? I have been, I've been pronouncing it right, all right? Yeah. That's uh, right yeah, I think, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you got Adrian it right. Kiswani, Christian you, Cato. Yeah, pretty yeah. solid. Yeah. Pretty solid. Yeah, that's right. And uh, their podcast is, uh, um, it's it's uh, kind of like a, ha- a common um, issues that we deal with and how to how to approach them from like a Christian perspective, and um, yeah, just kind of how to how to grow uh, spiritually and humanly. And so it's a lot, kind of a lot of what Neil and I do. And so if you guys are interested in that kind of stuff. And wants two people that actually show their face on the screen and are <laughs> much better looking than Neil or I, or mostly Neil. Um, Press X to doubt. No way. Okay, that's a lie. <laughs> then then head over to YouTube, uh, type in The Art of Awesomeness, and you can check out uh, the episode that we did together. Um, it was episode, what, 24? Is that right? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Episode, yeah, it was 24. episode 24 yeah. on their channel, and uh, uh, check it out, and uh, it'll be good stuff. Right. Yeah, thank hey. you. Yeah, glad to be on. Yeah, Neil, anything you want to add? Yeah, it was great. <laughs> that was beautiful, Neil. You're that everything was, I you know, want to be in under the reviews place. for the the episode. You just got like these long, overdrawn out reviews, and then you got Neil's. It was great. <laughs> cool. Period. <laughs> Bam. That was well, wonderful. Well said. It's all, it's all that matters. It's all that matters. Yeah. Well said, man. A few words, but they're important. He's not a man. Oh, yeah. A few words. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hold on. All right, so, Neil, what are you drinking? Today, I am drinking what's probably left of the Jameson Black oh, yes. Barrel. I told you I was going to buy you Jameson. I know, he did, and he bought it for it's me. For, and it's fancy. Got, I, um, <clears throat> I got it for my birthday, which was shortly before St. Patrick's Day. Yay, so I busted it out on St. Patrick's Day. And how old are you now? 24. Hey, that's right, if you're <laughs> dyslexic. Um, <laughs> I'm drinking. Uh, um, I'm drinking the Stella Artois. Mm. Uh, it's, a, it's a Belgian beer. Uh, 
However, I did break my chalice. So the chalice that's supposed to go in, um, you guys don't know this yet because you're not quite old enough. This is a snifter <laughs> glass, but the chalice that's supposed to go in is kind of like thin and it's a little bit taller. Uh, and uh, I broke mine playing a game with my adult children. Um, they're like... When you've been doing, I know. <laughs> when you've been doing ministry for as long as 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 long as I have, you end up having a, adult adopted children. You know the 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 youth group kids that don't go away. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, the ones you meet at fourteen and now they're thirty five. <laughs> you know what's that weird? Seem to stick around. <laughs> oh no, you're right. Because what's it called? <clears throat> um, we went our softball team after our game on Monday. Some of the one of the players, his wife was in youth group. With not with me when I was the leader of youth group, right? So I was talking to her and I was like, "How old are you now?" She's like twenty eight, and I'm like, "Yep." Oh, I thought you were gonna say something like twenty two. Yeah, <laughs> but I've known you since you were fifteen. So I, these a couple of them, like um, Kate was was visiting from from uh, Boston, and uh, she I taught her confirmation class when she was in high school, so I did her religious education for her. Uh, and then, and and she's now the godmother of of my youngest daughter, and then your uh, only daughter. Oh yeah, that's true. My only daughter. So far, so oh, yeah. far, right now. That's called foreshadowing. <laughs> right. That's now. right. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then, um, Dendan Eden. Um, she came by, and she is the godmother of Isaac. And I knew her since she was in middle school. Like she was twelve years old, and she's like her birthday's on the first. How old is she going to be? Thirty, I think. I think she is, is she, she turning thirty. She's turning something around. Is there. she how old is she to Gerald? I don't know. I don't even know how old Gerald is because I'm a bad brother-in-law. But anyway, Kate brought over this game called um, Throw the Burrito. I think. Have you guys played oh, this? Throw a burrito. Throw a burrito. Yes. Have you played this yeah, game? Yeah, I played it once with uh, some of my brothers, but they. I don't think we played it right. They didn't really play the instructions. They just threw the burrito. Oh. They didn't really pay attention. Well, but I know the game. It was fun. We played that. We played it, and um, and it was right after the group birthday party that we had with Neil and everybody else, because apparently everybody has a birthday in March. <laughs> and we were. Um, it was the the burrito duel or whatever. You're supposed to stand back to back and then take three paces out, turn and throw the burrito, but then you get to pick up the burrito again until somebody actually gets hit. And so, you know, it was Eden and I against each other, and we go back, and, and we, I pick up the burrito, and I throw it at her, and I miss, and she throws at me, and she misses, so we grab the burrito again. She runs into the kitchen. I chuck it at her, and I break my chalice that's, oh. supposed, to, <laughs> that's supposed to hold the Stella Artois, and so now I have it here in the snifter, which isn't the right glass to do it, but, you know, whatever. So the question I think we're all waiting to hear is, did you at least win the game, or did you... No, no, he lost no. his. Oh, okay. Yeah, he oh, broke okay. his chalice. He I broke loses. My chalice, that's oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's that's so the loss. I think okay. Keola actually won that game because it's played on points, but the points are no fun. It's actually way more fun to throw the freaking burrito, as you can imagine, which is why. The I mean, game is if you're gonna have a game burrito. called throw the burrito, that's all I need to know yeah. at that point. Like, yeah. You know? All right, guys. So what's the, um, uh, is that all for? Is that all for drink? Do you want to know anything about, about drinking? Drink Oh yeah, what are you guys drinking? What are you guys drinking? You know that is a great question. What are you drinking, question. Adrian? You know I'm drinking that sweet, sweet oxygen right now, man. What about oh, you? Okay, well, in my car right now, in my in my little canister thingy, I have the best drink known to man, which is we're not sponsored by the way. Or right. at least, um, uh, yeah. are you guys sponsored by Arizona? Arizona, I'm about to no. make a brand deal. Okay, <laughs> Arizona Southern style, but we can real be. brewed sweet tea. <laughs> right. Okay. Perfect. Oh. So Arizona, if you're listening, that's what I was was drinking at least, and it's heavenly. Keep doing your thing. 
Yeah. Right. I do tag Jeez. it. Uh, so whatever you drink, uh, it does get tagged in all of our stuff. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Arizona sweet tea. There all you right, go. Sweet. They're going to get free tagged on there. <laughs> we're young vibrant we're young we're never gonna die man yeah, come on. <laughs> so those those listening just so you know these guys are uh half our age <laughs> man secret chat. that's one way to put it yeah and uh the, the the whole the whole impetus behind this was like hey they're um they're christian guys and they're starting out in their college life and we are christian guys and we're old in our college and well, we're done with our college life and, and we're two states of life and uh they are um catholic or they're they are not catholic christians but they are they are christian um I believe Adrian, you said you're a Baptist. Yeah, yeah. And then a Christian is evangelical, non-denominational. Yeah. yeah I and so the idea here was to hey, let's get together and see what it's like to um, uh, walk with Jesus in different states of life, and maybe handle some Catholic misconceptions and talk a little bit about legacy. I don't know if you guys, I saw you guys uh, uh, jumped in on the Instagram, but our friend Crystal K. Uh, asked about uh, what what do you want your legacy to be? So we'll get to that. Oh, as well. I saw so, that comment. Yeah, yeah. So that'd be kind of the kind of the goal here. And so, and I don't know if you saw that, Neil. You're not on Instagram, but you're on. No, I'm too old for Instagram. <laughs> yeah, you are too old for Instagram. Stay off there, creeper. There's those things where <laughs> where you're supposed to put your date in to show that you're old enough to go like on the Guinness website to make sure you're 21. On Instagram, they have to make sure you're like under 40. Yeah. <laughs> What happens if you're just you just turn forty one? You're like, man, I really want to just pivot. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Sweet, nothing matters at this point. You just all right. So talk to us about um, about I guess like how did you get into Jesus? You want to go first? (laughs) You want to go first? You've been a Christian, I think, longer than I have. So Uh, okay, I think you have kind of more time in between. But okay, I don't know. So you want me to go? Yeah, I think it's probably better to go. Yeah. So. just trying to spark notes it, but I was, my grandma plays a huge role in all this. She is Filipino, I'm half Filipino, and in the Filipino faith, Catholicism is a huge religion. Like, in, more than a majority of everybody in that faith is Catholic. And there was a time when it was just my mom and I, and things were kind of tight, so my grandparents live in Santa Barbara, so frequently they would come down to take care of me while she kind of secured some expenses and all the adult stuff, and... I just remember growing up from very young, uh, going to a Catholic church, and it was very, when I, being very young, it was like very boring, and I didn't understand anything that they were saying, and there was, you Nothing's know, not changed. If many, you're... Yeah. <laughs> but, well, there's just some similarities, but, uh, but it was, you know, just growing up, I always kind of just dreaded like going there, because right? things, it just did not seem too appealing, um, but then as I kind of got a little bit older and you know my mom we met my stepdad and we kind of got into a new home we moved here um where are we at right now kind of like in the dublin area central valley is that you call it central valley yeah it's, well that's what yeah we're okay at. central in, valley we went to this kind of a more um more modern church called cornerstone oh, cornerstone nice. fellowship and um just there that was very new inside of you know, religion to me because they had this specialized kids section. I don't know if you guys have that, but there's an area where like kids go specifically where they just have a good time. And sometimes they learn about biblical stories through uh, 
playing games and all that jazz. Like we went under a huge tarp and pretended we were in the giant fish. Oh, Jonah. From Jonah. Yeah. And I just thought, wow, the Bible is so cool. I love this. We should do this all the time. (laughs) And it was, it was just, it was just weird seeing going back and forth because I still went to my grandparents, how different their church is. And then our church, and I still didn't really kind of growing up, still didn't see the whole, um, the fine line between Catholicism and kind of how that church in their style of how they get the message across. And I would say even still growing up that faith, the whole Christianity faith uh, wasn't as, uh, wasn't as essential or wasn't as prominent in my life as the forward years. So it really didn't start until maybe junior year when I, um, I was dating this Mormon girl. And at the time I had no idea what Mormonism was. It was just, I had no, the term itself was just like, what's, Mormonism and like, it's funny because the majority our principal was Mormon and majority yeah. of all our, yeah. <laughs> of all our uh, students were Mormon we're like oh that's a cult <laughs> that's yeah, what, what is that is that a club <laughs> that's, that's fun <laughs> uh, but and then she just really introduced me because she talked about all the same things that you know God and the whole aspect of faith and invited me to their church which seems like very pretty but as I noticed um, no it's just subtly more and more uh I noticed that there was different things that they would talk about, like such as in the Mormon faith, it's kind of known that it's not solely based on um, faith alone, but also more so your works to get into heaven. There's different doctrines too with Joseph Smith and everything. And then I just noticed that there was just more, it was just very different to my faith. And I just had this urge to tell her more about, you know, just straight up Christianity, but I had no idea how to do that without, because I had no idea where I was with my Mm -hmm. faith either. Mm -hmm. Um, so just long story short, after, um, that whole thing happened, I just kind of wanted to learn more about, you know, Christianity and how God plays a role in my life. And I think it was just really since junior year, uh, just because of her that, uh, just wanting to get more in touch with what my faith was. And I learned more about that. And, um, yeah, since junior year, I've been definitely a lot closer to my faith as compared to before then, but that's the gist of it. Just Catholic churches and Mormons. Cool. <laughs> that's that's a gist and Mormons and Mormons and Mormons. <laughs> and, dot 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 Mormons <laughs> it's in parentheses at the bottom in like subscript and Mormons yeah uh, I guess for me I, I didn't really grow up with a really strong sense of, of having a Christian faith as an identity because my, my family didn't go to church or anything like that growing up at all it just wasn't a thing so uh, growing up I know that we would pray a lot like my mom would pray with us every night and that was about as, as far as I uh as far as I kind of had in my mind, this understanding of what this was, you know, we would, we would pray to God, we would pray to Jesus, but I had no idea who that, what that meant Mm -hmm. to to pray or to, you know, just really, it was just strange because I would go to school and then it was never brought up. We were taught all of these very, I guess what I would now know to be very unchristian things. And I just thought that's how the whole world was. My world was very narrow at that point. And so when I got to, high school I know most people who are Christians when they get to high school they really start failing in faith you know high school college that's when a lot of people their faith actually tends to go downward but for me it was actually the opposite effect because I was so lost in high school that I, I just I was so anxious to figure out what I actually believed because whenever I would be asked hey you know are you religious what religion are you I would say Christian but I wouldn't know what that meant so I, that bothered me after like repeating oh yeah I'm Christian I'm Christian so often and not really meaning it I, I really had that urge to find out what it meant. And so, interestingly enough, it was the same year. Christian and I kind of just both spiked in our fades when uh, junior year was. 
because I was with a Muslim girl, and <laughs> so that, we got the full, yeah, we got the, the full, full deal. Uh, but that whole thing taught me the, the the real differences between faith because eventually it came down to okay, you're going to be with this person who's because obviously the Bible says not to be unequally yoked, right? And I didn't really know that going in, but then in the midst I was like, oh wait, wait, this is wrong, right? According to the Bible, this is this is not how I should be going about this. And so Christian and I kind of both realized that it was both in the relationships that we were in at the time that really taught us a, a great deal of what we believed because we were confronted with something that we didn't believe right so we had to learn because we both wanted to convert the girls that we were with to christianity but it's hard to do that when you have a very base level of understanding yourself so we were trying to basically up our game so that we could basically reach them which didn't end up working but it did work in the sense that we came out of it with this heightened sense of oh this is what we believe and we're confident in it now it's not just kind of throwaway term christian anymore it's this actual real thing that we can say no this is this is what we believe why we believe it Mm -hmm. so on and so forth so i'd say junior year was was junior year for both of us so god used those those scenarios to really uh like magnify himself in your life that's pretty awesome oh yeah, yeah definitely yeah. and it was crazy because it happened at the same time so we were both going yeah, through the same it was thing pretty weird. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was weird how it all yeah. worked out but i think it's kind of funny too because well i didn't have the uh girlfriend of another faith push that you guys did but uh uh i realized that i i too also like had the strong you know um growth in my faith around high school age so like you say, when you would not be, when you're usually falling out of it, it's probably when I got stronger into it. Because I think as a kid, you know, I just was, you know, I knew I was Catholic and we went to church and stuff. But, you know, I think by the time I got into high school is when it got stronger and stronger. And then I think towards like closer to senior year is probably where it might have, you know, dwindled down a bit because I kept... Focusing more on on school things and sports and la di di da and you know your senior year so all that stuff's going and then and then so I wasn't doing like youth group and thing you know and I already got confirmed and stuff so it it, it was a little lighter that year maybe but then at the end of senior years when I went on my first search retreat so then that's when it all started going in a warp drive into my college years doing you know five years of search. You know four retreats a year so the, yeah, for me it was very much like my dad my dad grew up baptist and um he came to the church when he married my mom because that's what you do when you marry a catholic uh so watch out <laughs> it's part of the deal <laughs> uh but uh um, and his dad label. was a uh, exactly warning labels <laughs> caution may cause conversions um <laughs> But my granddad was a Baptist preacher, and so like that that was uh, crazy on that side of the family for my dad to uh, um, to come to the the Catholic Church, hmm. and um, and so so the faith has always been like, especially Scripture has always been like a big part of my life, and then um, which was kind of a detriment to me because I had Christian very much the experience that you had at the in the Catholic Church hmm. was like this is boring. Nobody's talking to me. The music sucks. Yeah, (laughs) sing everything. And I remember vividly, vividly, like uh, thinking about um, being maybe in middle school and saying, you know what? I'm going to become a priest. And when I do, my first homily is going to be about how all of this is crap and (laughs) I should all go home. (laughs) 
that was going to be my first homily. I remember just that brilliantly. That... <laughs> just then... shut the doors after everyone. Exactly. Don't come back like, in. Bye. <laughs> Sermon <laughs> done. And then, uh, and then, uh, as as I got older. Um, uh, through religious education, all that stuff, I was a, a nightmare. I feel so bad for all the all the volunteers because you know it's volunteers that come in and teach the kids and stuff like right. that. Mm. And I, I feel terrible for all those people because I knew my stuff because my dad. And so um, I was obnoxious. Oftentimes, I knew more <laughs> about the Bible than they did. Uh, and uh, I was just a really, really bad student in general. And then um, this this new lady came in um, right about my my end of my freshman year beginning of my sophomore year of high school she came in and she didn't teach me anything new but she had a love for god that i've never seen before mm-hmm. um it was it was uh, it, Ch- chesterton has this beautiful line he says uh, let your faith be more of a love affair than a an ideology right mm-hmm. and that was the best way that i can explain this woman uh, her name is michelle and um and she really showed me what it means to love God and what it means to let God love you. And uh, from that moment, I was like, all right, all right, if there's anything to this other than the head knowledge that I can play with, <laughs> then I'm open to that. You know, I remember my prayer was like, let me be a, ba- a blank page. You know, like, God, mm-hmm. if, if there's a will that you have for me, let me be a blank page. And God wrote it, you know, <laughs> and he pursued me more than I pursued him. And uh, um, it was weird for me, though, because I don't know about y'all, but, like, when I was growing up, like, the way to learn about your faith uh, was not super easy. It, I mean, like, I went to – I had to go to libraries. <laughs> There's not a whole lot of books libraries? on the faith in the library. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and the, the only other option was, like, radio shows because radio shows were big. You know, this was mm-hmm. – I mean, all started by Billy Graham, right, because Billy Graham had those – those massive missions and right. movements back in the day. And so these radio shows kind of spawned from that. And so I listened to a lot of radio shows. Most of them were anti-Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> and so like listening and growing up, listening to all these radio shows, like I learned a whole lot more about scripture. Uh, and and then I decided to pursue it um, in my college life. And that's that's what solidified uh, Catholicism for me was going into going into history, going into um, the scripture in a, in a deeper level. Um, that really solidified it in my life. And then, um, yeah, and it just it's just taken me everywhere, and it's it's been mm-hmm. pretty awesome, pretty awesome ride. Mm-hmm. But um, that's not why we're here. We are here <laughs> to talk about misconceptions in the Catholic faith, mm-hmm. uh, because obviously you guys aren't Catholic. Right. And so, um, and we've we've had like uh, you know when we had Cat back on our show on our show, she's a, the token Lutheran that that uh, guest stars occasionally, <laughs> <laughs> and she talks about a lot of the you know the issues that she might have with the Catholic Church, and we address them, and mm-hmm. and we go back and forth and that kind of stuff. And one day she'll come to the face, but we'll wait. Don't worry, Dylan. <laughs> it's happening. It's in the work. Keep keep praying, Dylan. She's That's, coming. You know, <laughs> you guys got that label on her. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, coming she's soon a, to theaters. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we figured, you know, it'd be kind of fun yeah. to whatever whatever Catholic misconceptions you might have grown up with uh, to either confirm them and say, yeah, that's mm-hmm. totally a Catholic thing. Or be like, no, that's not a Catholic thing. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. Oh, my gosh. I'm so like, little you, hit, you hit the Catholic jackpot on this one. <laughs> just like the... <laughs> Sweet. You just get thrown into baptism water. You just get... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. the C-Vec. All right, I'm excited. Uh, you want to... Oh, wow. This is, I'm, this I'm, is I'm getting moment. goosebumps right now. You want to go first? Sure. 
Yeah, so <clears throat> I didn't really grow up knowing a whole lot about uh, Catholicism, but I do know that my grandparents are mostly Catholic. And on my mom's side, that's that's pretty uh, prevalent. And so I, I've seen a lot in my grandma's house and so forth. On my mom's side of the family, you'll often see kind of obviously pictures of Jesus, but actual physical maybe statues or uh, an image of him on the cross, a physical image, right? And growing up in the Bible and what I've read is that you're not to make a graven image of really anything. And when I would read, for example, Catholic Bibles and the Ten Commandments, they would take out that commandment and then split one to make it ten still. I'm sure you've probably gotten a lot of these before, but I mean, I was just wondering your take on it because that's something that obviously I've kind of seen a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Neil. What? (laughs) (laughs) and that's it for today (laughs) this is my just so just so everybody who's listening understands so what we're going to enter into here is is it's it's going to be they're going to have questions and we'll do kind of an an apologetics of the faith apologetics is this fancy greek word basically meaning defense you know right um it was it it, it, first peter i think 315 or something like that was apologia yeah it it says uh, be always ready to make a um a defense for um the faith or the hope that lives within you Mm. but do it but the specific part was do it um with reverence you know yes. that's 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 the uh, that's the specific part and that's a lot of what our show is i don't know if you guys got a chance to listen to any episodes mm-hmm. but neil and i mostly disagree um <laughs> <laughs> and, but we do so with reverence and you know like he, he's the godfather of my of my daughter right and so right. uh it, it, and that's and that's all this right. daughter my oldest daughter so <laughs> so far right <laughs> And uh, um, always, she'll always be my oldest daughter, unless I adopt <laughs> some that are older than her. That's a good idea. But this is what we're going to enter into. So I'm going to throw it to Neil to talk about, hey, Neil, uh, what's the deal with all the graven images and you guys changing the commandments on us to make it so that way there's no graven image commandment inside the Ten Commandments? I thought you were going to go on and I would just make fun of you. No, this is fun because, like, you're the, you're you're my volunteer cat. Like... Like <laughs> you're the volunteer. <laughs> you're the volunteer. So, you think like, you're getting so paid it, like, for this? Legitly, if somebody were to come up to you and like throw these things at you, um, like obviously, I, I dealt with this question a lot in in what I do. Right. So um, well. So real think, quick, the, the the Jesus on the cross is called the crucifix. Yes, right. It is. And it's kind of a three dimensional picture, <laughs> or as we call them, statues. <laughs> <laughs> But how would you answer something like that, Neil? If Sony came and challenged you with something like that, oh well, uh, I would. I think I would say that the splitting of hairs would be the fact that we, you know, we are not doing graven images of God the Father, and we are not having pictures of Him hmm. or it or her. If you want, <laughs> but if, if you that's want. like because like who is it? Um, Our Lady of Las Vegas. They have. Don't they have that stained glass with like the old beard guy? The old beard guy? I don't, I don't, I don't remember their stained glass actually. Oh, I just remember their think... giant crucifix. That's pretty epic. No, but there's something like on the top where it's like you have like Jesus, and then you have like the whole the 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 dove for the Holy Spirit, and like a like the you know the far side comic God, you know, bearded robe dude. Right. With the mm-hmm. triangle over his head instead of like the halo. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. For the yeah, Trinity. Yeah, I, know, Trinity. I know that image. Oh, okay. Got it. But it's still a picture of, you know, the the typical, you know, the um you know, the standard God image. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I was like, <gasps> I don't think you're supposed to do that. <laughs> no. Because yeah. my whole thing was always, well, at least when I was reading it, right, was that basically <clears throat> Jesus is in the image of God the Father. So if you have an image of Jesus, it's in a way also well, but an we, image of God the Father. But I mean, I guess it's But it we are, differs. we're all the image of God the Father. Right, we're or, made in the or, image of God, right? But Jesus is kind of the incarnate right. image of God. He's I mean, the perfect image. Right, he right. Is, he is God, right, incarnate. Right. Yeah, so like, yeah, you're right. The classical answer behind this is like, obviously images in general are not banned because immediately after that commandment, uh, God's like, hey, make me an ark of acacia wood, plate it in gold, and put two oh, angels two cherubs, right? Right. right. And then Cherubim. Yeah, yeah. And then... Um, at, and then in Numbers, he's like, hey, Moses, you know, all these people got bit by snakes. You know, let's make a statue of a snake and have everybody look up on, upon it and, and believe on it and, and they will be healed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's not images in general. It was the uh, uh, the fact that they're graven. They are worshipped, right? Mm-hmm. But that comes different whenever God himself becomes an image. And obviously, we don't we don't worship the crucifix, obviously. That's, mm-hmm. not, a, that's not a thing. And so it's a um, it's a, a a sign, just like a picture would be, right? It's if a I have focal. a picture of uh, a picture of my wife who was an, a real fleshy person, you know, I might even like if I'm far away from my wife, I might even kiss that picture and say goodnight, honey, right? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm just kidding. That's okay. <laughs> He's like, you do. If I have a picture of Neil's wife and I'm far away. <laughs> That's a different story. <laughs> he can kiss that picture because that's all he's kissing. <laughs> Other than my fist. <laughs> no, yeah. but, yeah, I, sorry to piggyback on your no, thing. It's like a focal point thing right. or something that you can, it's a visual aid. Right. Sure. And as for the numbering of the Ten Commandments, that actually goes back to Augustine in the fourth century. So mm-hmm. Augustine's big deal was... Um, that mm. the graven images were included because obviously he understood the whole idea that grave that images themselves weren't evil. It was right. actually the worship of images that that was evil, right? So if that image was your god, essentially, right? And so it, he tied it with the idolatry because that's yeah. a form of idolatry. Right. But what he saw in distinction was at the very end he saw thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife or thy neighbor's goods, mm-hmm. and his distinction was a wife is not a man's property. And so he split that one in order to keep the ten and combine the first one. That was back in the fourth century. Wait, what about that property thing? A uh, wife is not property. So um, oh, damn. Augustine, right? So dang it, So Augustine split those back. But back to your um, statues. Another thing too is you got to realize that. There's a few things. Well, you can you can hit me with a heresy stick if you need to, but <laughs> yeah, no. but you got to remember too is a lot of your um, early Christians are you know, you know, a poor literate people, and so you're gonna need some like worship aids or yeah. something, yeah, and so you you make these statues, and you know, we do this in general too. Like uh, we're talking about worshiping them, well. Well, this is like this is going to bleed into the others' question of do we pray to statues thing? That's but not, they haven't asked that yet. So I know, see. but it's it works too well. <laughs> well, here, Oscar, right now, do you guys pray to statues just so you can kind of okay? So, <laughs> but the other thing too is so like we have statues. That's what we do. In mm-hmm. you know, people do. You go to a, you know you go to a Laker game, and in front of the stadium are statues of players. Mm-hmm. You know, and. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's it called? You can, there's the big statue of Abraham Lincoln in the chair, you know? Okay. So I'm not going up and praying to him. 
but we're still doing it in in a point of reverence and you know it's like this is what abraham lincoln looks like same thing as a photo of my wife is the idea yeah <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Very it's just like it, but he, he and he also kisses the Lincoln statue. I do quite when, often <laughs> in, <laughs> in places you wouldn't guess. Wait, no, that's a different podcast. It would probably be his ankle because it's really big. <laughs> that's not on Spotify. <laughs> uh, that's bonus scene. <laughs> no, 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 but 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 yeah. So that we we use those things, and also if you think about it, we're also a lot of the early Christians were all converted pagans, right? So because my always view of it was that. Obviously, Catholicism was introduced in the Roman Empire, and it became the Holy Roman mm-hmm. Empire, all these things. And those people who now the mandated, I guess, new introduced religion was Christianity, which obviously had been persecuted for so long, was now this kind of mesh. And so those people already had statues of, say, I don't know, uh, what's the Roman? Jupiter, um, yeah. Juno, that sort of thing, Mars. Jupiter, Mars, Venus. Yeah, and so that my always perception of that was that they simply took what the Christians believed and then kind of bled it with their statues that they already had because people were already worshipping the statues right that was just kind of commonplace so that as an easier transition it would be oh well let's just make you know Aphrodite right the goddess of love let's just make her Mary or that sort of a thing or let's make you know Jupiter Zeus right this really powerful looking uh, figure let's make him Jesus right and so it would be an easier transition was that is that just historically completely inaccurate or would you say that some of that occurred in that kind of I've always seen it that way Okay. It's a it's a good conversion tool or right. a way or like a what would you say like an, a way to ease you into it. Right. Mm. And That's when also, the iconoclast convert uh, 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 the kind icono, the iconoclast con, um, what's the word I'm looking for controversy it came oh, into okay. play anyway was around that time. Right. Right. But uh, um, go ahead, Neil. Oh, but yeah, but I mean, like you're saying, I uh, I look at Catholics, you know, and of course Catholics were the first Christians, you know, before we started splitting up, but it's. It's like a good, you know, you take a like a, a, mi- a mixer drink and you pour a lot of Judaism in right. there. Right. And then you put a, a couple of uh, shots of paganism and yeah. swish it around. and we'll test, add- uh, test everything and keep what, we're good, what is good, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the, and it, it's well, – the, the main part with that is, if I might just interject a little bit, was that um, – Images were not were not foreign to Judaism, right? Right. And it might have it might have expanded, but it only expanded because the incarnation, because God has given us an image, right? The image of His Son, and so um, that's where it kind of kind of blew up. And whenever we were talking like the the Holy Roman Empire being used to images, and then all of a sudden God makes Himself an image, and then um, yeah. Everything kind of just naturally flows from there. It's like, okay, so God, God's okay with uh, himself as an image, mm-hmm. clearly, because he's made himself an image. So uh, I, I know that the... Uh... But, yeah, but also you don't, you don't worship the statue itself because it's not like, it's not like the golden calf where, the, where they're like, oh, this is the God who drew us out of Egypt. No, this is just a symbol. This mm-hmm. is to aid us to follow and learn about who God is and what He got, what God has done. Okay. Like the picture of His wife. Like, it's just a picture, but of not his God's wife. wife because that's heresy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that would well, not be true. <laughs> Different thing. 
Yeah. Well, Christian, wait, what was your next question? Oh, my. Okay. Oh, yeah. I just, you guys like had that. Man, that was, go, that was, so. I don't know how I'm going to follow up with that. Yeah. See, we both I had our own things time. going into this. Uh, Adrian's more of more insightful person when it comes to questions. I just have just like kind of things that I just wonder like, hey, why do you guys do this? That I've always wondered for a while. Which so um, now we're going to take it back down a little bit. But um, I've always wondered, um, David and Neil, when I went to a Catholic service, uh, I don't I don't remember if it's like mid session, but they always kind of did this thing with like this little carbolic smoke ball. I what's the name for that? Oh, it's like the, the silver the incense. You mean yeah. the incense? Yeah, From, I was wondering when they the do it to each section. The name for it. The yeah. thurible. Yeah. And they would do it to each one, and I was I always did that for every every single service I went to, and I always wondered what that the purpose. You probably of that always was. went at the holidays. <laughs> oh no! Even they no. I'm of, just oh they don't do it all the time. Okay. Oh, okay. No, I mean, uh, where I, where I go, because um, I spent a few months with my grandparents, and every every time we went to, I just when I was there, every time they went to went to a service, they did did that. So I was just wondering what uh, the whole purpose behind the what the meaning behind yeah. the thurbal thurbal is what it's called. Thurible. What is Thurible. it? A sensor to? Is you that a, a sensor? Yeah. Well. What's the what does that pertain to? What does that kind of lead on to in the? I said go, Neil. Okay. Well. All right. Crap! Now I'm trying to remember. Um, what was it that uh, the the incense is supposed to be our prayers going up? Where does that come from? <sighs> Don't know. Revelation. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> Chapter I mean, five. No. I think verse eight. I don't remember. I'm kind of old, so things slip my mind sometimes. Because the internet screws our brain. It sure does. I used to have so many Bible verses memorized that I no longer have memorized. Like, yeah, I was gonna. I get, I, I get exa- there, but it takes me a minute sometimes. Well, I know. I was thinking that today because I with with the basketball tournament going on now, right. and I was like, "Oh, when was UCLA last in the in the tur- in the Sweet 16? And I'm like, right. uh, "I don't know," because the last 15 years are a blur. <laughs> so I had to yes, look it up on the internet. Right. So Neil is one hundred percent correct. That's exactly what it is. It's a symbolic representation of the of the prayers of the faithful, uh, and that comes directly from Revelation. Because in the book of Revelation, um, John, who's uh, is on the island of Patmos because of reasons, uh, he has a vision on the Lord's Day, right? Right. And uh, on the Lord's Day, uh, for us as Catholics, you know, well, obviously you guys too. Like the early the earliest church, they would. Um, on on Sabbath, they would go to synagogue until the Jews kicked them out, and then they would celebrate the agape meal, the Lord's Supper, on uh, on the Lord's Day, the day of the resurrection, the day after Sabbath, right? right. Sunday. And what's that? Sunday. Sunday. That's right. And <laughs> so Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. So agape became, meals. <laughs> it became called the Lord's Day, and by the time John's writing this, in the the late first century, he's uh, he says that I was caught up on the Lord's Day, and he has this vision on the Lord's Day. And in, in that vision, he talks about the incense that is being lifted up, which is the prayers of the faithful, is the actual mm. Bible verse. And since um, since we celebrate a Mass on the Lord's Day, uh, especially those Masses that are um, kind of like uh, big moments in the life of Christ, for example, his, his birth, um, the resurrection, right, right. Um, the coming of the Holy Spirit, those kind of things. Uh, a lot of times, we'll use the incense uh, to to show or to symbolize again the prayers of the faithful. You know, mm-hmm. the prayers of the faithful that are going up and uh, is a sweet fragrance to our Lord. You know, that's the idea. 
Okay. We so, do it all throughout Easter season, right? You can because <coughs> no, that's, I'm just uh, trying to think. You know, the Lord is the Lord is raised, and this is this is the time to be celebratory and uh, and all that stuff. Um, but uh, it's not liturgically required by any means. But. No, I'm just trying to remember because, as you saying that he saw it like every week when he was visiting his parents, grandparents. I'm trying to remember because, huh? Yeah, you're saying it could have been Easter. Yeah, probably because I'm just thinking of. It's not a every week kind of thing. It's like, Usually oh, not. hey, this week is uh, because incense is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not every every week. It's only during you know certain special special times of usually prayer. during special times because incense is expensive. But okay. then again, <laughs> if you okay. get to something like the Easter season, everything's kind of special for like six weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. To amplify this idea, like, uh, have you guys ever heard of um, the Santiago de Compostela? It's Uh, this massive... uh, Have you ever seen the movie The Way with Martin Sheen back in the day? Oh, it's Um, kind of an old film, so maybe not. But basically what this is, um, it's traced back to the Apostle James. And it's a... You know how Paul had his missionary journey and all the apostles had their missionary journey. St. James had a missionary journey as well. And this one is is traced uh, traditionally from France to the tip of Spain. And in, in the tip of Spain, it's like 500 kilometers or something like that. In Gibraltar, right? Yeah. yeah. In the tip of Spain, they built a church there where kind of the mission ends. And um, so to this day, many people will go and walk what they just call the way, the Camino, right? Mm. And it's they'll like walk from, yeah, from France <laughs> to like Spain. A that's, a, that's, a, that's a crazy hike. Mm. <laughs> you know? Right. It's 300-something miles. Yeah, it's like in the Appalachian Trail. It goes on the East Coast from, like, Georgia to, like, New York or something. Yeah, yeah, same kind of thing. And so the idea behind their, their pilgrimage is, like, um, to to pray for or to uh, mourn the loss of or um, whatever it happens to be, maybe discernment in their life. But when you get to the very end of the trail, there's this massive cathedral that's there. And they have the world's largest incenser to symbolize the prayers of all the pilgrims. Mm-hmm. The thing is actually five feet tall. <laughs> right, it takes eight full-grown, strong men to to let, raise this thing into the air and to swing it over the over the whole church, and that's just to emphasize again, like these the um, the prayers of the pilgrims, because that's the point of the, and that's what the mass is actually offered for, the prayers mm-hmm. of the pilgrims. So it's a symbolic okay. thing, pretty much. It's very much a symbolic thing. Oh. Got it. Okay. Everything symbolic things. A lot of things are symbolic <laughs> these days. So I guess uh, the next thing, I don't know if this is really a, a, an apologetics question where you would answer it with apologetics, but this is just an honest question of what is, who, like, who is the Pope to you as a Catholic? The current one? Yeah, or just, uh, this, <laughs> just the <laughs> position of Pope. The current Pope Francis or just the position of Pope? What does oh, that gotcha. position kind of mean to a Catholic? How do you how do you view a Pope? Sure. Ready, set, go, Neil. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing this. <laughs> this is like is an amazing again? race. <laughs> should have taken this week off. Say <laughs> I'm done. I'm calling out of work tomorrow. Um, he's like, we're not talking comic books. <laughs> David's throwing all these apologetic stuff at me. I haven't taught in a year. I know. I'm way out of. I'm like way rusty. I know what's wrong with you. You're rusty. Don't you know that you've been oxidized? Somebody left you in the rain too long, and now you've been immobilized. You're rusty. I mean, the Pope is the, you know, the position himself, itself. I mean, he is the bishop of Rome, right. Roman diocese, and he's pretty much just kind of like, um, you would say, like the the head bishop of all the other bishops. 
kind of like um, what was it uh, in Rome, the Roman Republic pre-empire? They had God, what was it called? It's gonna bug me now. It was supposed to be the first of equals or something That's like that. Right. Good job. That's great language. Yes, the first among equals. And what was he called though? It was before dictator. Um, con- sorry with the C. No, this is really good podcasting. <laughs> For his Whatever, title at the time? No, not the Pope's title, but the person who was... It was like consort or something. Maybe it was. The person who was pretty much in charge of the Roman Republic. Oh, gotcha. That pretty much, sounds right. I have to go Pretty back, much back Chancellor Valoran from not Phantom the, Menace. Was it Caesar? Or there was you that go. It was pre-Caesar because when Caesar became in charge... He was dictator, and when you had dictators, they were like a temporary guy who was in charge okay. because they were, you know, because you were at war or doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And because Caesar was so awesome and he beat Pompey and all this civil war kind of stuff, very similar to Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> at the end of it, at the end of the Clone Wars, he was given dictatorship for life. And that's pretty much when they started up kind of the empire, but he was never emperor because that didn't happen until after he died. Right. Back to where we were talking about Edu Brute. So when he died and then Augustus, who was um, what, Octavius? Octavius, yeah. Octavius. And so then you had, he, he changed his name to Augustus Caesar and and he became the first emperor. Yeah. And that's when it pretty much became the first galactic empire. I mean, Roman Empire. I mean. <laughs> But right. so but, so the Pope for for you would be like the the consular, the first among equals person. Yeah. Okay. That Pretty makes sense. much. But yeah. I've always seen him as just the boss. The boss yeah. man. It's a, I yeah. mean, it was more when I got older and you know started looking at it. He's really the you know like you said first among equals, but right. You know, but you usually see him as like the the CEO of the Catholic Church. Right. That's how most people kind of see him as like the CEO type type guy. Like he he makes all the decisions, but that's not actually the case. Yeah. So yeah, for me, like um, uh, I'm always obviously my allegiance is with is with the Pope because you know I'm Catholic and uh, I believe that that's an institution that's established by Christ. But yeah, I'm I'm with I'm with Neil in that whole first among equals thing because that's who he is. Hmm. Um, even in the earliest in in the early church, it was always um, Peter always had to weigh in. Even if he wasn't the one making the final decision, because that didn't matter, uh, because obviously different different um, areas, like a, every bishop, like the, the bishop of Jerusalem, has his own um, his own authority there. But yet he still wants to know what Peter said, right? You know, and it, but he gets to make the ultimate decision and stuff like that. But uh, it's 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 a um, it's a it's a role in the church. It's called he's his formal title is not actually pope. You know, that's just kind of colloquially what most people call him because. His formal title is actually the Vicar for Christ mm-hmm. um, and the Bishop of Rome. He actually has eight formal titles, but none of them are Pope um, or Holy Father for that matter, which most people think is. Um, and, and it's that it's that authority that um, that is talked about in um, Matthew 16 where he says, uh, Peter, to you I'm going to give to the keys of the kingdom, which is a throwback to Isaiah 22 where the high priest – I can't remember the guy's name anymore because I'm old – Gives um, <laughs> gives the keys to the kingdom to um, the other guy whose name I can't remember anymore. And the idea is be like, take care of the kingdom. You know, um, you're in charge of, of some stuff right now while I'm away. And he kind of emphasized that in John 21 and stuff like that with, you know, feed my fish, feed my sheep and stuff. Yeah. But uh, feed my fish, <laughs> feed my lambs, feed my sheep. <laughs> the fish. No, don't feed my fish. He got this he really was, nice. So he was pond. eating fish at the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 
but yeah, that's the idea. Is like, Feed these uh, fish yeah. I'm eating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. As for Pope Francis himself, um, mm. I like him. He's a, a I, I get I think I get him a little bit more than most people because mm-hmm. uh, he is a Jesuit and um, he's coming on the heels of um, Ratzinger who uh, Pope Benedict the sixteenth who was a very very conservative biblical theologian and whereas you have a Jesuit coming in and a Jesuit's whole idea is how can I be for the people and so he's not trying to be a pope for the faithful Catholics he's trying to draw the people into the church that's his goal. Mm-hmm. And so his idea is this this idea of gradualism as people you know can can grow and and develop and just like the you think about the Jews wandering in the desert right you know it takes them forty years to kind of get to know God or get to follow God and they they fail in multiple ways as they're growing to know God uh, and God gives them like basic rules to follow and then Jesus comes in in the Sermon on the Mount you have heard it said but I say to you you know this is mm-hmm. this is that whole fulfillment of of that of that past law. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of like what how I see Pope Francis. He's always said that the key to his papacy is this document that he wrote called Joy of the Gospel, where he kind of focuses in on, like, all right, what does following Jesus look like? How can we draw people into following Jesus? Right. Yeah. So obviously I don't know if you would agree with this, but if a pope, not necessarily Pope Francis, but whoever's in that position, um, if they ever were to say something contrary to what you know to be true in the Bible, what's what's kind of a Catholic response to that scenario? Obviously, it's hypothetical, but if a pope were to say something contrary and openly kind of deny what the Bible says, what would your reaction be to that? Well, we've had lots of that, actually, in in past history, um, because we've had lots of really, really bad popes. (laughs) Uh, But what's what's and that's what's really fascinating about the Catholic Church um, is that some yet yet we still stand. You know, regardless of who the Pope is, like uh, Pope Innocent, one of the others. I don't remember how many different innocents we've had, but like (laughs) he. Yeah, I know, right? He had done a um, some seriously terrible things. He had multiple wives. He had people murdered. He had all tons of little illegitimate children and stuff like that, um, which is all clearly not okay, right? right. Not innocent. Yeah, not innocent. Yeah, that's, that's a good play, yeah. <laughs> that's what I get paid to do. <laughs> And so the idea behind all that is that, like, you don't leave Jesus because of Judas, even if Judas has a particular position, because you remember Judas is one of the 12, one of the selected. And so you're going to have some of that. And um, what's great is that we do believe in what's called papal papal infallibility, which most people misunderstand and think that that means that the Pope can't be wrong. That's not actually what that means. Right. Is that the the Pope um, has never and can never um, formally teach heresy and make it doctrine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's never – it's never happened. Even even in the years that we've had like crazy popes that want to do whatever the heck they want, they just do stuff. They never, for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit has prevented them from ever saying, "Hey, guess what, guys? Uh, now we do this." No, it's never mm-hmm. been a it's never been a thing. Um, and so that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if if a pope was to say um, something scandalous. Uh, it would be torn apart just like every other – like Pope Francis is a great example because he says all kinds of stupid things, um, usually in conversations on an airplane, right? And and for whatever <laughs> – because people don't understand papal infallibility, they're like, oh, then the church, Catholic Church teaches this now. No, the Catholic Church doesn't teach that. No, that's an airplane conversation. 
that's He's nowhere at soccer. Get over it. Right. <laughs> that's nowhere near an authoritative um, an authoritative statement. And that's I think what people like whenever you get in the in the minutia of like doctrine and stuff like that for Catholics, it's very specific and under very um, stringent. Uh, strict scenarios in which uh, a doctrine can be proclaimed and it has to be in line with the deposit of the faith which includes sacred scripture and so like if it doesn't line up with sacred scripture it cannot be doctrinally true got it can't be stamped cannot be stamped she's like that's just the pope being the crazy <laughs> that's offensive Perfect. is that offensive no I'm sorry it's, I found to all that. of our Italian listeners that's, what I'm you, I that's how that the pope talks <laughs> Should we call the Pope right now? <laughs> Everybody. Yeah, I think I have him on speed dial. Yeah. You, okay, I'm on a Pope. He's like, oh, see you guys. It's a me, the Pope. No, that's too much. <laughs> He's like, oh, see you guys again. Yeah, Don't you just stop calling me. Imagine if that was an Mario What's your guys' game? position on the Pope? I mean, I obviously I don't agree with uh, obviously the, the the Catholic Church on on some of its teachings. I guess as far as like kind of what we already went over. Obviously, I'm not gonna you know hit on people if they have different beliefs. That's their belief, right? But um, I guess as far as the Pope goes, I always see him as kind of having this position of power that maybe man shouldn't really strive for to have. Mm. You know, I, th- I think that if you're gonna be humble in the eyes of God, assuming the role of of, I know I don't want to say Pope the Vicar of Christ is, is, is that his title. I guess attaining after that, especially having a hereditary, right? Even if it was given to uh, Peter as a position by Christ, you know what kind of went after that to be kind of a thing where there would be more after, right? And so I guess is seeing a person with that kind of following, where people are you know bowing to him, kissing him, I feel like that's just a bit much to where I'd be like, nah, I'm gonna kind of. Uh, stay away from that side of it but that that would probably be my my view of him because I, I would just view him as a guy right but obviously the catholics is kind of more but yeah that'd probably be yeah so if the pope see. says something crazy you're just like that's just a crazy yeah guy. yeah <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it wouldn't mean anything much yeah. watch it yeah. listen to among wolves yes. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like i knew it i had it's a good a feeling me. about this guy i knew it <laughs> <laughs> knew it so yeah. you see the pope in the background of mario kart you know you just no, yeah, no. We've done we've done episodes where we've like clarified church teaching on stuff when the Pope says things and people don't understand them because he'll use specific language that most people don't understand. Yeah, right. Yeah, because some of that stuff was like what you said. He was making a you know conversation or he was talking about a certain subject, and then everybody said, "Oh, the Catholic Church is changing." It's like no, <laughs> like he's steering the boat. Exactly. Yeah, like, I mean, Captain even Matt. if you're. You're the head of the, what's it called? Yeah, like you said, if you're the captain of a ship and you think certain things, but you don't actually make the ship do it or put that as rules of the ship. Right. It's like if you're the captain of the ship and you say, Helmsman, take us us to heaven, that island over there, right? And then you have a a conversation with the cook. Hey, you know what? I've heard about this other island over here. It's pretty awesome. Have you ever been to that island? And that cook's like, hey, guys, we're going to this other island instead of heaven. No, that's (laughs) that's... (laughs) That's how a lot of people view the Pope. That like, must be a really not, cool island. What the heck? I know, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, that's sweet. not that's not what the Pope does. No, the Pope is just uh, the Pope is just the the guy, the Bishop of Rome, who is the the first among equals. And that's why we want we want his opinion to weigh in on stuff. But like most of the time, popes don't weigh in on on hev- heavy uh, theological things anymore. Matters right. like that. Okay. Mm. Oh, a lot of that's been settled. Yeah. 
And to clear it up, I figured out the first monk equals the Roman leader. The highest elected political office of the Roman Republic is council. Got it. Okay. Did you, is that so what you said? I wasn't sure, but oh. I looked it up. So if okay. I was right first, then I am cleaning it up. Also, the Appalachian <laughs> Trail starts up in Maine. <laughs> Thanks, Neil. Um, <laughs> well, I don't want. Well, okay, I don't want our five listeners who might know it go. No, 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 Maine. Who are you yelling at? Because I know, like, when I Fact listen check. to people's people's uh. What's it called? Podcast. And they're oh, like, yeah. I don't know. This team hasn't won since 61 or 69 or something. I'm like, 67. <laughs> yeah, I do that You're just correcting the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fact no, check. No, at least the first guess, it was accurate. So. Yeah, yeah that's, how, that's how I feel sitting at Mass and when I hear when I hear a homily sometimes from priests. Hmm. I'm like, no, that's not right. No, that's not right. I need to just stop listening. <laughs> that just needs to end. Just going to tune out real quick, you know? Yeah. Jesus, I'm just gonna pray. <laughs> That's the bottom line. He doesn't do that during Father John's homilies, though. No, of way. course not. No, no. Father John's homilies are golden. Please don't fire me. There's <laughs> not uh, not an outreach message to keep our job you positions. Just get a little message in your inbox, like a. I know, right? This, hey, listen to your podcast. We need to talk. Me and me and my. Office. I'm not sure he knows how to work the internet, so it's okay. Okay, so that's a huge plus. That's a plus then. Right. Uh, I you know actually I wanted to bring I don't know what this made me think of this but I've on top of my list I've been fascinated with this idea of transubstantiation where oh, it's um, if I'm not I know Neil's laughing at this but I was talking to Sophie no, about just, it she was that's Neil's talked. sweet spot that's why yeah. oh okay yeah no I just I think it's really interesting so if I'm not mistaken please correct me if I'm wrong where it's a substance basically going up. Um, Going and getting substance when they collect the I don't know what you guys call the little the pieces of the host the host and then mm-hmm. the is it I don't know, the wine or the the blood wine. of Christ okay yeah real wine the real the real wine and how it through at consecrate consecrate what am I saying consecration consecration, consecration. consecration. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it turns into or converts into from that substance originally into the actual. Am I wrong about the blood and actual? No, you're right. Flesh yeah, you're, of Christ. Right. I'm fascinated. That's with totally that. a Catholic thing. Yeah, actually, actually, where the phrase "hocus pocus" comes from, you know, oh, like, really? you've okay. heard that phrase before. Like right. in the Latin, what would happen at Mass is the priest would raise up um, the bread or, or the um, the wine, the host, and he would say "hoc est," which is "this is," you know, and "this is my body," "this is my blood." And so, um, a lot of times when people would want to make fun of the Catholics, it's all that it's all a bunch of hocus pocus. And, oh, I got it. Wow. Yeah, now today. you guys know that was a derogatory term wow. towards Catholics. So, Neil, this is your sweet spot. You want to talk about? Wow, I'd love to hear more about it. <laughs> now I feel very offended by most magicians. <laughs> <laughs> all just all magicians are anti-Catholic. <laughs> the amazing Jesus. Well, I, Chris I have seen a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses around lately. That's so the thing is. Boy, it's funny too because I just did a talk on this on Friday. You sure did for yeah. for confirmation. Actually, here's what you do: go to YouTube. <laughs> there you go to YouTube and search up. Look for my talk. Um, let's see here. The easier way to do it is it's because all right. So what were you saying that it it gets consecrated into? Uh, well, it's I again correct me if I'm wrong, but when you go up to re- receive the the body. Right. Uh, it, I think, based on the definition, that actually somehow converts into the real form of 
the right. So the thing too, when you're saying real form, I think the problem is a lot of people usually think of it in a literal sense of the right. physical attributes of it. But it's metaphysical. metaphysical. Right. So the idea, too, is the difference with transubstantiation is not transformation. Right, okay. And that's the thing that we usually think of when you say this becomes this, you know. So the idea is it's spiritual essence, like the the inside. (laughs) Yet what it truly is, it's supposed to be replaced with Jesus. So it's not like... Uh, so it will still look and feel the physical attributes of the bread. And I know when that's a tough one, too, because like at seven years old and I do my first communion and they say this is bread. And I go, no, that's not. That's like a cookie or <laughs> that's <laughs> it barely even looks like bread. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's like a vanilla wafer, the, the nickel wafers or something. Now, for first, you're telling me it's bread. I'm having trouble believing that. Then you tell me it's this guy. Like it's a cracker. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of more like a cracker. So, but but the fact is, it's the fact that it's the attributes that look the same, the accents, all that, but the 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 spiritual essence of it is what changes. Yeah. And the spiritual essence of the wine is what changes. Right. Okay, so... So, so it, it's yeah. definitely well, a mystery. Go ahead. You want to go some more? No, no, that was they were gonna say something. No, no, I was no. You guys were leading on to a good point. I was just reiterating what you said. It's not more, it's more so of the spiritual essence rather than the actual form of itself converting into the blood and mm-hmm. the flesh of Christ. Right, because yeah. it's metaphysical, not physical. Met- yeah. um, that's that's like so the so it's it's a mystery like much like the Trinity, right? You you guys as mm-hmm. as evangelicals and Baptists, you, right. you clearly believe in the Trinity. It's one of those things that of course, right. you know, it's revealed out of scripture and it's just uh, it's something that is virtually impossible for us to completely wrap our mind actually impossible for us to completely wrap our minds around because God is infinite, right? And right. we're finite. And so um, wrapping our minds around it is is impossible, but we can get glimpses and our goal is to try to understand, right? And so then the question with the Eucharist becomes like, well, if God is God, could he, um, you know, it's just the same question of the incarnation. Could God come into human form? Yeah, of course. And he does in the person of Jesus. Well, then the next question when it comes to the Eucharist, well, could God come into bread form? Well, I guess he could, couldn't he? Right. Well, did he want to? And then you look at John 6 and all the kinds of other stuff that's that's rolling here. And, and it seems like Jesus was very adamant about, you know, eat my flesh. He says it seven times in that chapter and people leave him and he doesn't, he doesn't correct him. He doesn't correct any of them. He's like, no guys, I'm just playing, you know, it's just going to be pretend. It's just all like symbolic or whatever, like, like he does with, with Nicodemus, for example. Um, and then, and then it's, it, it's up to us to try to wrestle with that. What the heck does that actually mean? Cause it sounds a whole lot like cannibalism. And then when Jesus at the last supper says, this is my body, this is my blood. And then when Paul says, you know, this is the, the, uh, the body of, uh, and blood of Jesus. And, and if you don't discern the body, uh, you, you eat unto death, you know? And then, so what the heck does all this stuff mean? And then the answer kind of comes to us from, from, uh, or, or kind of helps us understand it. Not really an answer, but much like helps us to get closer to an understanding is Aristotelian philosophy. Um, and to, to break that down for the nerds in the house, um, can you guys imagine a unicorn in your head? Uh, yeah, the standard. Yeah. You, yeah. Got a, you got a unicorn? Yeah. Right, so that's, that's the essence of a unicorn. The problem with a unicorn, though, is it has no accidents because unicorns don't exist, right? So what you've just created is a distinction, 
And that's what philosophy is all about. So if you guys ever get into philosophy, the, the, the whole point of philosophy is making distinctions. That's the, if you can make distinctions, you can do philosophy, right? And so um, you've, you've just made this distinction between the reality of a thing and the, the physical properties of a thing, right? Uh, typically, what you see happen is the reality of a thing and the physical properties of a thing changing together, but you don't always see that. For example, a butterfly. A butterfly, you see a, a, a caterpillar, the essence of a caterpillar, completely change into a butterfly. Um, but I'll give you an, a, another example here. If you, if you saw me uh, sitting over here nailing a hammer into, or, you know, nailing some, you don't nail a hammer, you nail some, <laughs> way hitting some nails with hard. a hammer <laughs> into a piece of wood, you'd be like, David, what are you doing? And I'd say, well, I'm nailing some hammer, or some uh, nail, <laughs> hammering <laughs> some nails. Coming. It's late. <laughs> <laughs> hammering some nails into a piece of wood. You'd be like, well, I can see that, but what are you doing? You know, because that's not the reality of what I'm doing. I'd be like, oh, I'm making a birdhouse. That's the reality. That's the essence of what I'm doing, right? And you've seen it tons of times in film because the film film loves to play with this idea of essence and accidents. Uh, anytime you've ever seen, um, like uh, Phineas and Ferb did it, did it great in recent years, where they were like, okay, so the storyline is going to be the essence of Candace gets transferred into the accidents of Perry, and Perry mm. gets transferred into the essence of Perry gets transferred into the essence of 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 Candace, and so when they went looking for Candace, they were in reality looking for Perry. But with the accidents of Candace, right? So everything that that exists has a uh, um, what we call a, a substance or an essence, and its form or its accidents. That's the that's Aristotelian language. That sounds and very Freaky Friday. It is very <laughs> Freaky Friday. Yeah. And so uh, typically, whenever you talk about transformation, you're talking about the change in the form, the the physical properties mm -hmm. of the thing. When you're talking about transubstantiation, you're talking about a change in the essence of the thing, you know, which is obviously beyond our understanding because only God can do those kind of things, right? Um, but that's uh, we used we actually did the. Um, what, that wasn't magical bags of meat. That was there's no Jesus yeah. or there's no bread. It's just Jesus, right? Yeah. Magical bags of meat. Was I like no magical. I think it's both. Both we talked know. about it. But we but we did magical it in, bags of meat was the whole, was into that. I think yeah. Was that Terry loves trampoline? No, that was later. Terry loves trampoline is. Did you guys watch the Wandavision? I love Wandavision. It's amazing. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> the boat, the boat. Now what's the Greek name of the guy? Oh, I can't remember. They had the boat that. A boat that, analogy that that gets all barnacles and gross, and then they have to replace the different wood. Oh, is it the same boat? Or is that the, is yeah, that the right? Same that's boat. remember they were talking to each other right. about that. They're literally talking about essence and accidents there, hmm. which is fantastic. Um, and then, so what we believe because Jesus says, "Hey, eat my flesh," like like he says it vividly the greek word that he uses in john 6 is chew it's not it's trogo right that's that's the the word that he uses he says munch that would be i, I guess closer closer analogy which is crazy to a jewish person especially you know the the prohibition against drinking blood and then the fact that people leave him and he's like all right peace well you guys gonna leave me too <laughs> you know yeah uh um it, it, we have to wrestle with that and like and then you start understanding that there is a distinction between an essence and an accident and then jesus says this here this is my body this is my blood 
and it is uh, and we're like oh, okay so what what god is doing here is very much like the incarnation but just at a much much lower level like uh more humbling even than the infinite god entering into the human person the infinite god entering into the host you know and that's uh, that's that's the beauty like that's that's the um one of the most beautiful things of the faith is saying that that's you know love desires um more and more intimacy you know god the father is is above us jesus christ walked beside us but the the eucharist god in the eucharist can consume us whenever we consume it and that's why we have crappy music and that's why we have <laughs> crappy sermons is because that's never the focus of the mass the focus of the mass is that god is present you know, God, everything else, everything else is a prelude. It's to help you get ready. And sometimes it does a piss poor job of helping us get ready. But the focus is supposed to be that God is here. Mm-hmm. The incarnation is real and it's never ended. And he's ready to, uh, to let you come into his life and consume you with his life. So are, are sermons a part of the Catholic faith? Is that something that happens in a, a Catholic church during a meeting? Or is it just a, a reading from the Latin text? Oh, have you never been to a Mass? No, no. Oh, wow. Yeah. you never been so, to a Catholic um, Mass? No. Oh. You should totally go. It's quite fun. <laughs> it's, no. You'll have a ball, man. It's, <laughs> Actually, it's, it, it, what's funny is that we have both in each one. Yeah, because there's a the first setup, uh, the first you know before we get into as David talked about the whole Eucharist part. That's the second half of Mass, and the it first is. half is what we call the Liturgy of the Word, and the Word right. of God is Bible, blah blah blah. So you're Be taking Bible, Bible blah, reading. Blah, blah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Literally, it's getting late. <laughs> yeah, it sure is. But uh, yeah, nailing the hammers. So what we do? Yeah. <laughs> So what we have is we have um, these three different Bible verses that we'll read, and it's already predetermined and set up in in a giant book called the lectionary or the, the or, missile. or the missile. Yeah. And um, they're set up. You have a first reading, which is a, a and they try to tie them together too, if they can. And the, the second reading doesn't. They don't necessarily try to tie it, in the higher feast days, obviously. But yeah, sorry, sorry, he's I'm not gonna know. But <laughs> <laughs> so sorry. So <laughs> point is, the first reading is is from the new te- or the old testament, but during the Easter season, we take it from all the Acts of the Apostles book because that's around that time. You know, post post uh, resurrection, and then the second reading is from all the epistles and you know all the letters of Paul and you know all, all the other homies. Uh, huh all his homies all his homies all the other <laughs> letters of peoples. Whereas I used to say epistles are letters from apostles. Yeah, typically. <laughs> so and then the third reading is called the Gospel, and those are from the four Gospels: the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they kind of go. I would say they pretty much try to go. Uh, well, then um, you also have the chronological well. to the season, right? Yeah. Well, it's not necessarily chronological because obviously we're celebrating the entire life of Christ in a year, and so we're going to jump around a bit. 
So, you know, the beginning of our year uh, in in November-ish, you know, where we have the beginning of Advent, um, you're going to hear some gospel readings that aren't necessarily the pre-Christ gospel readings because really there's only only a handful of readings you can get there in those four weeks it will like as you get closer obviously you get closer to the the um the birth stories of jesus and stuff and stuff like that but you're going to get other stuff in there too typically like the um the the second coming type type stuff mm-hmm. like mark chapter 13 and stuff like that depending on what year you're in um but so it does jump around a little bit chronologically it's- but I see what you're i see what you're trying to say you we are following the life of christ basically right. in the in the gospels it's a three-year cycle, so you hear uh, from different Gospels, and since Mark is so short, um, you hear John in the same year as Mark. Um, and so, yeah, you, yeah, you're, Neil's 100% correct. You got that Old Testament reading typically in the first got, the first reading. Um, it'll be a, a, a section of, of the Old Testament that's meant to uh, correlate with the Gospel reading because Christ is hidden in the Old Testament, revealed in the New Testament, and we kind of show that out. Foreshadowing. Uh, foreshadow. Typology <laughs> is the fancy word. Um and then we have a psalm that correlates with it all. And then oftentimes you're just typically reading through the second reading, which is an epistle. So it's, you're walking through Romans or or Ephesians or something like that. Mm. Unless there's a, a feast day that like, oh, this reading definitely corresponds to this. And so then we'll do it that way. But, mm. yeah. And then the, after the gospel, they, we have what they call the homily. Yeah. And that is when the priest gets to preach. Mm-hmm. And he gets to give his sermon. You know, but so. the struggle with our priests is that um, because, especially in America, like uh, American Catholicism expects mass to be done in about an hour, and you guys know, like I don't, I don't know if you ever been to a Southern Baptist church. Have you ever been to a Southern Baptist church? No, I don't think so. No. Southern Baptist church can go a couple of hours, mm-hmm. or or even up to three. It's like it's like you're sitting there, and it's and Thanos is coming all over again, right? This is. <laughs> This is Endgame. This is Infinity War. Uh, just depending just, on what he's preaching on and how, and, and how the Holy Spirit is dropping some fire, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, for whatever reason, American Catholicism has been tied to this hour mark, which is probably because there's a ton of Catholics and not a whole lot of priests, and so we got to get all these Catholics into Sunday masses, and so we have to have like six or eight masses in a weekend in order to get all these Catholics through, right? Um, and so, the 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 Catholic homily homily. The sweet spot in the Catholic homily is right around 7 to 11 minutes, right? So it's supposed to be crazy short. Uh, and uh, you guys know, like we're already at an hour and 36 minutes here. You can't discuss anything with any kind of, like level uh, of depth, substance right? to it mm-hmm. yeah. in seven minutes, which is why a lot of times Catholic sermons and Catholic priests with their sermons are kind of dull. And not necessarily speaking to you, but again, like I mentioned before, that's not the focus. Like the focus is he his his job in the sermon is to help us understand the word a little bit to prepare us to receive the God to receive the God who created us. That's that's his whole purpose. Like he's again not what it's all about. Right. It's not like we're going to see a speaker. Like yeah. when we go to the uh, conventions and stuff, we go see a speaker and he talks for forty five minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or when the thousands upon thousands of people flock to Neil's Neil's uh, uh, um, keynote speech at our confirmation, <laughs> which which was already cut down because David says you're going too long. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta cut you off. They turn off the mic. <laughs> going That's on? it. That's it. Tap the mic. What's going on? <laughs> I was like, you talk too much about consubstantiation. You're in trouble. <laughs> I just I was trying to make him realize it. 
That's oh, where yeah. I was in life. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, just for culture's sake, um, check one out. Like just to just to get an idea of like what it actually looks like. Oh, and you can um, watch it on TV now. Yeah, you could yeah. watch it on TV. Oh, yeah. Like I, I like I've watched a. Um, Eastern Eastern Rite masses and stuff like that on TV as well, just to get kind of a flavor of it. Um, watch it on two times speed. Then it's only thirty minutes, especially in America. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. just that's how no I but I mean that's the thing. Stuff. You could fast forward through, but at least you can kind of see the see the movements and and the little yeah. symbolism and the rigmarole. And watch it now or watch it around Easter, and then you could see the incense. There you go. You could five foot incense. Oh, no, yeah. no, that's oh, always shit. Okay. I don't think yeah. they have. Yeah, that's in Spain. We gotta, I don't think they have the uh, the live stream technology out there. Can <laughs> make a six foot one area. now. That's the challenge. Man, you know what's bad too is when I find it, first saw it that I was like, oh, that's it. That's all it is, because I've heard like stories of how giant that that. <laughs> it's taller than my wife. I no, but I mean. <laughs> You know, like my dad was like, "Oh, it's so big, blah blah blah." So I'm like figuring it's like the size of a car or something. Oh, wow, it's all man. in my head. It's just giant. And then, and then I see it. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I, I guess." You know, <laughs> it's like shorter than me, right? Like, right, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you know, uh, and then when you well, see when you're, talk- it, when you're talking to one that's usually this big, you know, yeah, <laughs> just yay, tough. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a foot high or something. But then, then when you see it in the sky, you're like, oh, it looks like a basketball in pictures. Yeah, if it falls, it'll still kill you. Oh, yeah. All right, right, guys, I'm going to run to the restroom real quick because urination station time. This episode is brought to you by Honey. Mm Mm-mm, it's good, but it's sticky, and bears will eat it, and bees will chase you, but it's so tasty. Get some at your grocer. (laughs) Wink of the day. <laughs> now he needs a little jingle. Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Honey. Ooh, honey. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Symbols. <laughs> there you Back go. That the might music. actually be in it now, because if he likes it, he'll put it in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we have more things to say before we wrap up? I mean, I don't know. Is, is there anything that you guys want to add on to anything that we've already asked or brought up I don't know what's your guys' like perspective of the Catholic Church I know a lot of times like especially it's I know it's it's tougher in the Southern Baptist belt because they have such an animosity against Catholics Mm -hmm. that uh, a lot of times like the perspective there is that Catholics are going to hell they're not Christians and that kind of stuff I don't I just curious as to like what are you guys being taught? Because you know you're you're relatively new Christians growing up on the on the West Side and west side. Um, yeah West Side and um, growing up in in a place where like you have family members who grew up Catholic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just curious, is like is that still a thing that a lot of um, churches talk about? Like the Catholics are are not Christians; they're going to hell and all those kinds of things. Well, what I've always heard, but really what I believe from reading the Bible, because I'm not part of the Southern Baptist Convention. I'm just Baptist. I don't really like associate with a certain convention because usually they have right. like a hierarchy of like people who are deciding what they believe. I just go off what the Bible says for the most part. But I've always believed that in order to go to heaven, you need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and not rely on works. Right, and so if you're relying on works, you're not fully trusting Jesus, meaning that you are condemned to hell. So if whenever I've looked at the Catholic faith, I've always seen works kind of worked in there in in sort of the plan of salvation. It's like kind of that baptism, church, that sort of a thing. So I don't know if you believe that you need works to. 
go to heaven in any form or sense. And I guess that would kind of determine my position on that, you know, because I basically believe that in order to go to heaven, you need to believe in Lord Jesus Christ. And if you don't, and if you're relying on works or anything else, then you're condemned because that's what the Bible says. So I don't know what your beliefs are on salvation. That would pretty much okay. tell me that. Yeah. And Christian, where are you at? I'm... It's I because I, I think uh, I'm still with my grandparents. Uh, my grandma, I still I'm still I've learned to actually grow pretty fond of attending the services with her and just the cause she's very I really admire my grandma because she's like one of the most faith driven people I know. Like she never spends a day or even like a few minutes without uh, doing a rosary, her prayer, um, things that I'm sure you guys are familiar with in the Catholic faith, but. Uh, they don't, in the sense of if they teach, like, Catholics are going to hell, uh, they don't teach that when in our, our services. Um, one thing I, I do admire about the Catholic faith, and one thing that I've, it's kind of progressed over the years, is I notice that with the churches, at least I go to the services, what the focus that they have that I really admire, that I wish they integrated more with, is with you know, kind of like these new modern churches where it's really um, poppy and like music, music-y, and it's uh, kind of branched out into a more like a uh, the right word the culture kind, kind of a little bit like that where kind of like what Adrian said uh, what I really admire about the Catholic faith is through the practices that um, at least my grandma and some of the people that we know that are Catholic pursue is that you guys really are for the most part um, or just not for the most part for the people that I've seen and that really admires that you guys are really uh, driven and focused on what's truly important and don't really get carried away too much with how um, the whole techie aspect of it, which is something that I still uh, carry on with me through the Catholic faith, because I still very fond of my grandma, and part of me, uh, in a way, I carry part of her faith with me, and uh, some of her practices when it comes to prayers for people. Um, but that's one thing that I really do admire, is that you guys just really stay focused on the values of your faith and seeing what's important, not getting too um, phased away by everything else like the flashiness of you know mm-hmm. the music and the lights and everything uh, i know not, not probably not all catholic churches are the same just based on uh the ones that i go to with my grandma and family but that's what I, I really do appreciate about the catholic faith this kind of like the whole atmosphere of it, which is really really admirable cool well, let me let me uh, tackle both of those then in in one one real quick thing, and then uh, and then we'll move forward here and get close to wrapping up. Um, so uh, the one of the like I mentioned before, like the big reason why we don't get wrapped into those now, many many Catholic churches do like they're going to get really wrapped in. They're going to have a, like an awesome choir, or they're going to make sure that the preaching is is on point, or whatever it happens to be, which is always great because those things are helpful. Mm. Um, but for the Catholic, um, those those things are never going to be the center of the liturgy, right? It, like, for example, if, if we walk out as a Catholic and say, man, that was a really good Mass today because the music was so good or because the priest was so good, then we kind of miss the point mm-hmm. because the, the highlight of, of the whole Mass is, is communion with Christ. That's the point of the whole Mass. That's the absolute center of it all, right? The, the Catholic Church even speaks of it in her doctrine that, the, um, uh, that Christ in the Mass is the source and summit. That's the language that we use is this idea that it is the source in which, uh, from which all of our faith um, flows from, is Christ's presence. And the summit, it's the, it's the greatest thing that we can participate in, the life of Christ, right? Um, and so that's, uh, that's why a lot of times those things end up taking back burner seats for us. Um, 
uh, other places, you know, like, and and it's not like they're saying that Christ isn't um, as important, but they might have like bomb music and bomb preaching because they're like Christ is so important that we need to have the best music, which. I kind of think that we should like <laughs> we should have some if, if Christ is present here we should have some Rick like the the stones need to cry out right <laughs> this is the, yeah the, we need the, this this is this is the kind of music that we should have you know it should be really um, honoring to God right and that's what the idea behind building the cathedrals was was in the first place and beautiful chants and stuff that were created throughout all the centuries but um, but that's that's again where where the focus lies, and so I I like that you recognize that that whole like, you know there are things that um, that you would think to be important, but that, but um, what ends up being the focus are these other things that are that are beautiful in their own way and more beautiful when you understand them, and then Adrian to your point as as a Catholic from our perspective is that um, uh, faith is um, intimately and intrinsically tied. Two works. Uh, the the example obviously is is James um, chapter two, I think verse twenty four and verse seventeen. He says, uh, "Faith without works is dead." Um, but um, but to break this down, I think the book of Romans does it the best. In the book of Romans, in chapter one, and then in chapter sixteen, so the the bookends of the chapter, so the first chapter and the last, Saint Paul talks about the obedience of faith. It's a very peculiar phrase. Um, because it's only used there, but he uses it to frame his entire book. And you guys know, like Romans is his master work. Right. Like that's 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 pure Pauline theology put together masterfully. Mm. Right. Book ended with this peculiar peculiar phrase that the entire purpose of the book at the beginning he says is to bring about the obedience of faith, and at the very end is that the obedience of faith might be fulfilled. Right. That's the whole idea behind the book. Um, chapter 12, verse 2 has has the verse that kind of holds the key to that, right? And that uh, chapter 12, verse 2 says that um, – uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this because I have so many different versions in my head. But basically that do not be conformed to this age but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Right. That's the first part of the verse, right? So something about the obedience of faith has to do with an intellectual ascent. You know, don't believe and don't follow and don't listen to all these other things that people are saying, but rather be transformed. Don't conform to all that stuff. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind so that, you know, and he says so that uh, you can know what is good and what is pleasing to God, right? That's the idea that um, faith in, in the biblical sense is not simply intellectual assent, but um more of like allegiance to, right? That's what faith means. It means that um, not only am I going to believe that Jesus is God, but I'm going to commit my life to following him, right? And that's that from the Catholic perspective, mm -hmm. that's what faith is. And that's what salvation is, right? Mm -hmm. And part of that does involve doing the things that Jesus tells us to do. For example, like we said to Nicodemus, nobody who has been born of, uh, nobody who hasn't been born again of water and spirit enters in the kingdom of heaven. Or he tells at the end of um, Matthew's gospel, go therefore and baptize all the nations, which is, you know, super important because like if it's the last thing Jesus says and it's not actually fruitful, that's a right. silly thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Okay, guys, here's, this is going to be hilarious. Guess what? Um, go out and just dunk people in water. be freaking funny. Just go everywhere and just dunk <laughs> people in water. Right. Right. Won't that be funny? <laughs> right? But, 
But, um, you know, that's, that's where Paul gets that theology of being in Christ. Is and I mean you see it in Acts chapter nine, right? At the conversion of of Saint Paul, he says, "Saul, Saul, why why are you persecuting me?" Jesus radically identifies the, uh, himself with those who have been baptized. He says, "I am in them, and they are in me." Right? That's that's that that's that uh, um, regeneration or, or that that ontological change, if you want to use the fancy theological language, uh, that that baptism does. That it actually does a thing. It's not just a fun little you know thing it's it's uh, faith precedes baptism mm -hmm. and we we get baptized we receive everything that Christ has promised through our belief and so it's 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 just like the prayer the the sinner's prayer that's um Jesus Christ I'm a sinner have mercy on me be the lord of my life you know it's it's just like that because that in itself is an act you know you're using you're confessing with your mouth making an action of your faith mm -hmm. right um, it's just the act that Jesus requested, and so we do it. <laughs> and, so, yeah. and so, I don't know if that helps at all, or if that if that helps uh, make sense of of Catholics for you. I know it's it's. I mean, obviously, we could we could talk for hours on end on on this kind of stuff, right? But um, uh, but uh, but that's that's uh, the Catholic perspective of where it's at. I do want to do uh, just to to pivot the last things here. I, I think it would be nice to close with that question that, um, oh, yeah. that crystal had asked this idea of what do you want your legacy to be? Cause mm. I'm, I'm betting yours is a little bit different than, than ours at, at our age, uh, as being twice your age, <laughs> <laughs> which is so weird to me, yeah. <laughs> but, but okay. <laughs> Ted. That really? Yeah, that's 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 how I've been doing this way too long. <laughs> now that's when you know you're out. I am old. That's that is. A have you guys given any thought to that? I have. I you guys did this whole episode, and Christian had this elaborate. Um, oh yeah, idea of how he was going to be buried. Oh, and yeah. oh be like a party. Yeah, yeah I want to be celebrated. Go out, go out in, in flaming Viking. Yeah, <laughs> you got it right. I want to be launched at a cannon. I want to die in a Chuck E. Cheese ticket blaster yeah. with tickets coming everywhere. Yeah, um, that would be my. <laughs> that's my well, how do you want to be remembered, remembered. that's that's the that question what's the legacy what's left behind very good question do you I have an answer do you want me to do you want to give or you want me well, I, did you have one yet uh, unless you already have one yeah I have one okay you go first because right, so, I think too much yeah I would <laughs> I would want my legacy to be my children I think that that's kind of a, a pretty solid legacy to have because those are the people who you were who were raised by you right so they're going to reflect you in in many ways because how you do in raising children says a lot about you as an individual so i mean if you have you know amazing children who are you know they have and they have children you know and they're passing on those same values those same beliefs and i think that shows a lot when your children are saying yeah no my, my dad my dad was right on that you know i'm gonna I'm going to honor him by being even better than he was, you know, and then my kids are going to be even better than I was and th that sort of a thing, you know, where you're just, you're trying to make sure that the future generation, because your legacy isn't really, in the end, it's in, in this really strange way, your legacy isn't even about you, it's about other people, right? So I would want my legacy to be reflected in not myself, but other people who I influence and then they can influence other people and so on and so forth. That's what I would want my legacy to be. And however that turns out, probably, yeah. That's awesome. Dude, that was a good one, man. Chuck E. Cheese ticket blaster. Let's Dang go. <laughs> yeah, 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 I said. What did I say? I said I want to die a ticket blaster. You yeah. said you want yours to be kids. <laughs> uh, wow. Um, if if my 
Uh, wow, first, that was a very great legacy. I'm sure definitely you'll make that happen. I'll probably die you by seem then. like the good. guy to make that happen. My legacy, um, uh, it would be kind of a bit more broad than just my kids. I want to be remembered as the kind of guy that opened up a platform um, or more of like the, kind of set the foundation for outreach to other people that were very insecure about their faith or um, how do I put this? like using uh, some of the natural talents that I find uh, pleasant in killing time like uh, videography or maybe that's uh, oh, writing stories so, yeah music yeah. or writing stories and using those elements of uh, making a story or something like that to create an outreach to people like maybe they're at our age or a bit younger or you know wherever phase they're at with in their life where they're just a little bit curious as to you know what their faith means to them and kind of opening up to a broader spectrum of people that just want a little bit, few more answers on um, where to go in their faith and the at the end of the day I want to be remembered as someone else to say, yeah, that guy, um, he created this this thing I found out earlier on in my life. And, you know, it just really helped me out when it came to taking bite-sized chunks into uh, figuring out the true meaning of uh, why I'm here and how to grow from that. So, I mean, the kids one was a great one, too. I feel like that one just kind of shot me. Well, there's a lot of similarities yeah, there. Yeah, like yeah, he no, said for he sure. wanted to create something beautiful, and he said he wants to create something beautiful. Yeah, so one of like the same, yeah. pretty much. So, yeah. whatever that is, I, I'm looking forward to it, but... Um, yeah, dang, that was a good one, man. I'm not gonna lie, that was sweet. What was Neil? Did you give any thought to uh, your legacy? Yeah, I was gonna ask what was. Mm, I was feel. I always wanted to be like that person where. Well, I hate this. I well, vanity would say I wish people would come up and tell me this, but I <laughs> opposed to like you. tell me what it is. Opposed to like Light at arms. my funeral when everybody's walking around like you know what Neil did for me. Yeah, so. <laughs> But um, I wanted to be something like that, like all the confirmation kids and youth group kids and, and I don't know, even people like I worked with or something. But I don't know, maybe more so of like the the younger ones, you know, when they're in their 50s or something being like, you know what? I remember that this guy said something once and he was such a nice dude or whatever. And it really, you know, it made me think differently on life or, or I took this seriously or... Or I learned that this could be fun or something. Because, you know, as David's pointed out before, it's when I teach, like, my classes and, and, and like, well, especially on retreats and stuff, I mean, I don't, well, I, I may put on a more fake Neil, but it's, in a sense, opposite of what most people would be. Because, because I guess, like, when David was saying that a lot of, you know, you'll have, you know, uh, catechists or something who put on the holier than thou face and that I will maybe you know emphasize the sinfulness face where I dove into the world's worst youth minister-esque character that I portray sometimes to make things even worse than I am just for laughs and then the kids think it's funny or whatever like I remember Sally saying on how I wish teachers got paid over a hundred thousand dollars so that I can quit my job and Lisa could support me and then you got all these like 15 year old girls that are like oh good does that mean you'll take care of the kids and do the house oh no 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 we'll probably have enough that I could still get a nanny and a maid <laughs> and they're like and you'd still make Lisa work well yeah 
And then they're like, I <gasps> dare <laughs> <laughs> you. Yeah. I do miss having you in the classroom, by the way. It, it, it's, uh, I know that everything's has changed, but, uh, but that, that is a good time. Yeah. So, I mean, I hope that that's the thing. Like, you know, when you do get those kids who are like, you know what? I really like that you were X, Y, or Z. That I either that's... was opened up or the fact that I can play around with even serious stuff. And then that yeah. made them open-minded to it or whatnot. Because you have that natural way of reaching the people that are on the margins. You know, the people that's the lost sheep, so to speak. You know, the 99, they're, they're fine. You don't need to worry about them. And the charisms that you have just really draw in that last one, you know, and say like, you know, this, you're, you're going to, you're going to think about this differently because of your experience with Neil. Right. Yeah. And something like that. And it, it helps make God's mercy real because Neil's not afraid to, to, to show that he needs God's mercy. Oh yeah. And which is, which is what's awesome about Neil there. Is that helpful? Yeah. 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 What about uh, your legacy, David? <laughs> when you were younger, How- for me, there, it's 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 uh it's twofold for me because obviously you know I I do have my my three children and oh yeah my maybe... kids too yeah because oh yeah of course. <laughs> it's, it's too late I mean late. that went without saying right <laughs> it's too late for going back and I've always like even when I was a kid I always um I wanted to to impart my kids that uh, I'm a I'm a simple man. A humble man, but more importantly, I want I want them to be able to um, love and think, um, because I'm not an emotional guy. Neil knows that very well, um, but I do love deeply, and I think deeply, and I uh, and I critically, and I want my kids to be able to do the same, um, because it, I, I feel like if they can think critically, they're they're going to live a good life, and if they can love critically, then they're going to go to heaven. You know, <laughs> you know, they're they're going to find Christ. You know, because Christ, you, you can't love apart from Him. You know, He is he the is, source yeah. of love. God is love, right? And so, to the degree that you are able to love, you are connected to God, right? And so, um, having them to have that a passionate love, um, even if it's not necessarily over emotionally, that's that's kind of important to me. Um, and then on the professional side of things, I actually do have like, and when Crystal wrote that, I'm like, you know what? I do have a legacy that I really hope for me professionally. I mean, I'm already the world's greatest youth minister, and so that's right. that's done. <laughs> right, right, that's done. And so, <laughs> got that. So the only other thing Copyright. was like, <laughs> <laughs> Copyright pending. <laughs> the only other thing pending. was like, um, I had done so much work in college and in my adult life on soteriology and the problem of suffering uh, and understanding that you know that's i mean it's always like the, everybody's number one argument against the existence of god you know if god is all powerful and all good and all knowing then evil shouldn't exist because if he's all powerful he could do something about it if he's perfectly good then he would want to do something about it and if he's all knowing he knows that we're suffering and therefore evil should not exist and if god is not those three things then he's not god Therefore, God does not exist because evil exists, right? This is the the, the complex. You Heard know, it many uh, times. Logic. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And um, and I came up with uh, through through much prayer and walking through Scripture, and it's deeply, deeply rooted uh, in Scripture and in my heart. Um, professionally, that's one of the things that I want to leave is a soteriology. So the the um, soteriology is a, a fancy theological uh, for those listening at home. Is the uh, the fancy theological term of how salvation works, um, because I think actually um, God had a beautiful plan of salvation through suffering. 
um, in scripture because we broke creation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we broke um, we that's crashed a, the server. We we sure did. Um, but uh, and it's a it's a solution to that the logical problem of suffering and the emotional problem of suffering and I do very much want to flesh that out and um, I would like for that to be a professional legacy for me. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. Cool. So it kind of sounds like kids seems to be the majority <laughs> and helping kids. people. Kids you know, and you know, helping like, people. It's always it's outward directed. You know. Yeah, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah, sweet. That's important. Sure. All right, Neil, how you want to shut this thing down? All right, everybody, um, hit us up on our Insta Insta and our Facebook because it has cobwebs on it because the only person who cares about it is Crystal K. And <laughs> you know she's posting on Instagram and you just happen to see it on Facebook because she's tied to both. Oh, well, she's the only one that I see on <laughs> Facebook. So like Lisa will be like, oh, yeah, I saw that on Instagram. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. okay. And then it's like I, I saw it on Facebook because I'm old and – only Crystal K comments. <laughs> so maybe she's not even there. No, so. she's not there. All right, well, hit us gone. up on the Insta. Please contact us and tell us things, like how much you love us or things you want to talk us to talk about or things you don't like. <laughs> I don't know what that could be. I know, because we're, we're so handsome and brilliant. Oh, but see, that's the problem because it's an audio format. They don't see on how uh, handsome they get to hear the brilliance. Yes, they of just need to hear the voice, and they're done. That's good. <laughs> yes, they can hear the right. luscious locks. All right, boys, let's get your um, plug your stuff. Yes, where can plug we find you guys? Oh yeah, so obviously the art of awesomeness is our podcast. You can find it on YouTube, Spotify, Anchor, any of those Google podcasts. So on Instagram, too. just as well as. Um, David and Neil, just the Art of Awesomeness also <laughs> on Instagram. You guys can find us there. Yeah. Um, David and Neil, thank you guys again for having us on here. It was, yeah, it was this is really, it's been really yeah. insightful kind of getting and to go And you can find the episode that we did with them again uh, on the Art of Awesomeness. It was episode 24, Among Wolves, with David Hull and Neil Whitney. So there we I'll go. put a link to your channel in that episode in the description as well. Beautiful. Okay. Oh, wow. First time on someone else's, it feels cool. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. David, uh, Neil, you guys have any advice for us heading forward um, with our Audible Adventures? <laughs> of podcasting. Audible Adventures? I, mean, I mean podcasting. I mean podcasting. I tried yeah, to sound cool. I tried to sound cool. It didn't work. No, no, I got it. I liked it. Okay. Oh, thank you. Those other two losers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys. This episode is brought to you by Dirt. Mm-mm-mm. Four out of five children love eating dirt more than their dinner. Most worms like eating it too. Get Dirt.